Hello and welcome to this IBR Extra, a podcast from the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. In the 21st edition of our program, which aired during the Memorial Day weekend 2020, we talked about the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the U.S. supply chain and on buying habits generally. Ken Chester and Sasha J. Little are with Roadworthy Drive Productions, which focuses on mobility and transportation through a series of radio projects. We spoke via Zoom on Wednesday, May 20th. We have heard people talk more, Ken, I dare say, about something called the supply chain in the last couple of months than most average people have talked about it in the previous year combined. Outline what we're really talking about accurately when we say supply chain and how has the pandemic impacted that from your perspective? Supply chain, obviously, is everything from where raw materials start uh, and are turned into products end up in warehouses distributed to either retail points or direct to consumer. A lot of people don't understand that there's a lot of time built into that chain, that while they've been optimized over the last 10 to 15 years with respect to being the most efficient, they don't always respond well to shocks in demand, whether dramatic increases or dramatic decreases. And that's something that we've seen here in the last couple of months. I use toilet paper as an example of something where the supply chain was overwhelmed. People don't realize this starts typically in Wisconsin or some highly wooded area with wood pulp. And all of that gets bought, machines get maximized, the mills decide what they're gonna buy. It gets turned into product put in warehouses. The sales have been locked in for a year. So suddenly there's a run on this stuff and they've gotta go all the way back to the raw materials. And there's a question of, you know, is that even stockpiled or available? That leads to different challenges that nobody anticipated. Realistically, the production, and and I just want to focus on toilet paper for a moment because it was the one thing that everyone noticed early on. You couldn't find toilet paper. Well, there was no change in the production level, right? It had to do with unanticipated demand. Is that fair? Demand fell off the rails, and the problem is it became self-fulfilling. It's kind of like a run on the bank. People made a run on toilet paper. The problem was they kept making it, but seeing empty shelves only made people panic so that what little was available got snatched up. It's been maybe nine weeks, and just now, I was in my local Hy-Vee on yesterday, and just now, for the first time, I've actually seen toilet paper on the shelves that has not been cleaned out. Actually, name brand toilet paper for the first time in weeks. We've always they've always had it, but at the point where you could actually see it that it was still on the shelf most of the day in, usually in the first couple hours of the morning, it was gone. And they're finally getting a handle on it. But as an aside, all sorts of pasta, canned vegetables, and all sorts of breads had the same problem for the longest, but they recovered quick. I really felt that I had seen a turn in this whole thing when I went to a store this past weekend and there no longer was a limit on purchases Mm. of toilet paper. But, and this Sasha gets to habits, if you will, going to the grocery store, now there's toilet paper, but you can't get the items that Ken mentioned, also soup and rice and other things. Is it a matter that people are altering their shopping 
And by that I mean maybe I don't want to go every week because of the possibility of infection, so I'll go every two or three weeks, but I'll buy a whole bunch at a time, and hours have changed recently, et cetera. What are your thoughts? I think it's a compounded issue because continuing with the toilet paper theme, Mm -hmm. with the limitation that they're putting on toilet paper at one per time, if I followed their mandate, I was risking further exposure. So I think with that, A lot of people went to either curbside pickup to pick up what they wanted. Instacart really expanded where they were allowing so people could use the app to do it. I actually went straight to a supplier for toilet paper. I got on their waiting list and now it's almost like a subscription plan where I pay one monthly fee and they ship me out a supply of it once a month. I think that a lot of people looked to other venues to fill their demand. I know as a mom, I don't think that I will continue to go into a grocery store type manner. If I need something, I'll either Instacart it or I will do with the curbside pickup. That way I could still leave the house. I can go get a cup of coffee and then I just roll into and they put everything in my vehicle and then I go back home. There's a convenience factor that we have always appreciated. I dare say we knew that these shop from home opportunities have been there, but more and more people are using them. Is that going to be something, do you think, that will continue on a broad basis after we feel safe again? In other words, people may be using it now for one reason. Will that become a habit going forward? Habits are hard to break. And I really think that while we knew about Instacart, we knew about curbside pickup, we knew about online shopping, A lot of people still liked the whole thing of going to the store. What COVID did was fast track these options and make them mainstream. So now while it was, well, I'd rather go to the store. Now you really don't want to go to the store. So are people going to break their new habit to go back to the old habit? I just don't think so. You're going to see a grocery store basically revamped, not necessarily for shoppers, but for the human shoppers that are filling orders. Heidi talked about their aisles online business going from 3% of their business to 10% of their business. And another observation that they made is that where they are right now is four years ahead of their projections in terms of that business. We have been in an economy where we've seen brick and mortar stores lose their attractiveness, malls. What's going to happen, I believe, is grocery shopping was right for this. I think that it was more tradition. People were used to going shopping. I think in five years, going shopping will mean sitting in front of my computer, my tablet, or even my cell phone, choosing my groceries, setting up my delivery, and not interfacing with the store at all. And I think within 10 years, the term going shopping will not actually mean walking into a grocery store. I think it pulled it forward maybe by about 10 years. For some people, going to the store, quote unquote, going to the store, was to a large degree a social undertaking as well because of the opportunity to get out, to go see people, to the point that the grocery stores often had a little coffee shop Right there inside. So, Sasha, you could get your coffee without even uh, having to to go to some other establishment. But the concept of ordering everything online 
is sort of like, I guess I'll analogize it to ordering books online as opposed to going to a bookstore. If I buy something I know I want, I've limited my purchase, but if I'm actually in the store, something else might catch my eye. And I wonder if actually these stores, any stores where you're able to buy online, now groceries, etc., are they going to miss out on point of purchase sales? We're going to agree to disagree, and I'm going to tell you why. Going back to Hy-Vee, once you sign up for their aisles online or once you interface with them, they're always sending you information about sales or hot deals or this, that, and the other. I think what you're going to see is you may not have the tactile interface of touching, feeling that experience in a store, but in terms of sales and coupons and things like that, I think it will go virtual. I think you'll see more of that enticement online to replace that typical end cap, hey, look at this. This is on sale. Don't you want some of this? And oh, by the way, since you're looking to buy this, don't you want this too? I think you're going to see more of that. And in fact, I know you are in the case to that one grocer online. Sasha, you disagree with Ken. I do. There's been two different distributors that if the customer bought something online and was doing curbside pickup, they wanted the shopper to include a sample of their product. I think we're going to see a revisit back to, this goes way, way back, but back when you would actually get samples of obviously not meat, but you would get samples in the mail or you would get like the coupon for a free sample. I think that we're going to go back to that kind of genre because people aren't going to pay attention to random pop-ups. It has also occurred to me through my own experience that we may see a brand allegiance change. And by that, I mean, you're used to going to the store for a certain brand of product. There's no reason for you to shift to another brand until they don't have what you want and you're forced to get something else. And lo and behold, maybe you'll like the other one better because we are creatures of habit and our brand preferences are established early on. This could really not only change the brand allegiance, but then require some of these other companies to engage in marketing and advertising to regain market share that may have been lost. Is that fair? That is actually extremely fair. And I talk about real quick Jiffy's. It's a household name. Never spent a dollar on advertising. Why? Because they put out a great product. Meat right now, we talked about the shortage of meat. I had to look up something because I was looking for a way that I could purchase directly from a farmer in my local area and then have it be butchered by a friend of mine. I came across something that's called community-supported agriculture. And basically what it is, you form a, a conglomerate with a local farmstead or sometimes two or three farmers grouped together And you pay a monthly fee and they deliver anything from eggs, herbs, vegetables, fruit, beef, lamb, pork, directly to your house, depending on the package that you signed up for. And these are the situations that uh, they are expanding exponentially because people were looking for another venue to get their meat supply. Now, in this kind of case, normally they are organic. Okay, so normally these are farm fed. Normally these are your higher dollar type meat items that you would might find in a grocery store. But the price is really comparable considering the fact that the meat has gone up in price since the demand got higher. I know I personally 
I shopped from one particular place for all my meat, I don't think I will go back to a grocery store supplied meat source just because the meat is so much better and I get it directly shipped to my home. And I know that I'm helping my local farmers. In the remaining time, Ken, I guess I'll ask this. We have people who say we need to get back to normal. And it would appear that, and I think by the reaction you may agree, the normal is going to change. There will be a new normal sooner than later, and it may actually be something that was simply a vision in a crystal ball three months ago and is going to be our new reality. Tell me what that looks like. Here's an inconvenient truth. Due to the pandemic, it's pulled forward a lot of technology that would have normally taken maybe 10, 15, 20 years for society to adapt normally. Uh, transportation's changed. How we buy things change, most particularly groceries, as Sasha has alluded to. A lot of people are going to want to get back to local, particularly in rural areas. We're going to see people realize that, gee, you know, buying groceries online wasn't so bad. And I think I want to continue to do that for a lot of the reasons that we discussed here. I think manufacturers of all kinds, uh, both in, in and outside of the food industry, will never see their supply chain the same again. They're going to want to shockproof it if that's possible. So I think that's what we're going to look at. The question is, how did and how will technology impact our, if you will, new normal going forward? There's no question that it has. The question is, what will that look like? And I think that's anyone's guess. This software that we're using right now, Zoom, it was an unknown entity, not even four months ago. And now it is pushed in the limelight so much that people are like, Skype who? What, what do you mean Skype? This has become the new video conferencing. And will people go back? No, no. Ken Chester and Sasha J. Little of Roadworthy Drive Productions. More information may be found online at roadworthydrive.net and on Twitter at RWD On Demand. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry is a supporter of the Iowa Business Report radio program and podcast. The Iowa Business Report airs weekly on dozens of radio stations across the state of Iowa with the podcast posted right here every week, along with additional IBR extras. I'm Jeff Stein for the Iowa Business Report.